0: Hi there and welcome back to the
1: ESPN
0: Footy Podcast.
1: Hello everybody. Welcome to the ESPN Footy Pod, proudly sponsored by Subway. Nothing's as big as a footlong. Back for another week. Matt Walsh here, Jake Michaels and Christian Jolly with you here today. And a heap to get through, Jake. We're going to talk some medical subs. We're going to talk draws and some quirky draw stats. We're going to look at how the pies just keep winning and a whole lot more. How are you doing? Feeling better after having COVID?
0: Uh, I am feeling a bit better, yeah. Wonderful. Uh, Played actually played soccer last night and felt awful after about ten minutes just running around. So I think it takes a while to get the to get your sort of fitness back after (laughs) after it knocks you down a bit. But yeah, feeling better. The body aches are gone and um, good round of footy. Oh, was it ever? I think it was one of the more entertaining rounds of footy we've had from a. And we finally got that draw we were talking about a few weeks ago. We're wondering whether we'd get the draw this year. Yeah,
1: and the draw was exciting, wasn't it?
0: Well, for a 52-plays-52 game. It's funny, we just had the replay on the screen. And when Bailey Banfield... You don't notice it when you're watching it live. But the last score of the game was Bailey Banfield's snap, that one that curved all the way back in. That tied it at 52-52. And I think there was eight minutes left. And to think no one scored a point in eight minutes is kind of crazy. Mm, We'll talk about the last few moments of that game in particular. Christian, you haven't had COVID
2: yet, have you? No, I haven't. Uh, Yeah, all tests I've taken have all been... Negative and, yeah, all through the house and so no one's had it yet. There you go. Yeah, I, I had the same feeling, Jake, where the first, like, session back I had at the gym,
1: I felt like I lifted, like, the, the tiniest weight and just felt completely yeah. out of breath. Yeah, takes anyway, a while, I reckon. There we go. Uh, before we get cracking into the main body of the podcast, something interesting you noticed from round 19, Jake?
0: Well, it, I think one of the big talking points to come out of round 18 was Bailey Fritch and how hungry he was burning teammates. And I think it was brought up a little bit in the media how he'd... You know, potentially cost his team a couple of goals by being selfish, I guess, and taking shots. I'm not a, I, unless there's someone that's in a clear better position that's 100% going to sk- kick the goal. I would rather Bailey Fridge taking the shot because he's probably the best shot on the team, um, certainly the best finisher on the team. Now, if you go and look at the Western Bulldogs Melbourne game, the D's were in kind of control in that last quarter. It then got tight. There was a sh- with five minutes to go. I think the demons were up by two points. Fritsch gets the ball in the pocket, plays a little chip over the top to a one on one. It was Alex Neil Bullen in the in the goal square with um, a dogs defender. I can't remember who the dogs defender was, and the ball the ball gets spoiled out. They don't score from it. Ball goes up the other end. We know the dogs ended up winning. If Fritsch takes responsibility and there was and the and the commentary wasn't around last week of, how, of him being selfish, he kicks that goal eight times out of ten or he runs in and handballs over the top to, uh, to to Neil Bullen and he kicks the goal they go up by eight it's a different game now this could be the difference a lot of coulds I know but this could be the difference in the Melbourne finishing top four or not and as we know a lot of people will say well top four yep you can genuinely win the flag Top bottom four or, or you know fifth to eighth probably not so that is a massive moment I look sliding back on, doors moment. and I really think it all stemmed. The reason he did that stemmed from everything that happened last week in the commentary around him. Maybe we need to ask Josh
1: Dunkley when he's on the pod next about how much the outside influence and reading oh, things in the play, media it has, has
0: to play a role. Like, like even players that say, um, and I know I don't know what Dunk says about this, but players that say, oh, I, I try and ignore, I ignore, I don't read it. You would be aware, especially something like that. It would you'd have to be aware, even even if you're not seeing it directly. Your teammates would see it. The club you would know. So yeah, it, it's 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 one to watch to see how, what the D's or where they end up finishing. But just something I thought at the time, mm-hmm. you know, just surprised he chipped it up, and it was it was a one on one. Like, um, it's wasn't like dull. a player that had a height advantage or anything. It's just yeah, it was a bit bit strange, but anyway. That's what happens.
1: D's run home is pretty tough.
0: Very uh, Frio tough. Frio
1: this Friday night at in Perth. They've got the Blues. They've got the Pies, and they've got the Lions at the Gabba. At the
0: Gabba, yeah. So not you know, in that order. <laughs> yeah, I think it is in that order.
1: Oh, okay, maybe. Um, maybe
0: it is. Yeah. So um, you would think they need to go three and one. Well, they do. They need to go three and one to make top four. Now at you know you'd say Melbourne. You most people would pick Melbourne to win most games, but. Are we anymore? Are we confident? I- I'm not. F- I could see Melbourne not saying they're going to lose all four, but there's no gimme game in there. They're no. all tough. And mm. if they go two and two, which is probably likely, they're probably going to miss top four. Well, you mentioned to me their, f- their favourites
2: currently for Friday night. Yep. Uh, playing over there. that surprised me. On-, on current form, I'd have that as a, s- a yeah, they're, 50-50 they're a, they're game a f- or Frio just a in front. They're a slight favourite over Frio right now on- for Friday night. Mm.
1: Christian, something from the weekend that took you fancy.
2: Yeah, well, you sort of summed it up at the start. We had we had a draw, we had a shot after the siren. Um, we mentioned we had one of the highest scoring days as well for quite a long time, but keeps coming back. I mean, you know, for two or three weeks, they've been shooting themselves in the foot, and I think Hardwick put it the best, it's Richmond beating Richmond, but just kept looking into their numbers and just, you know, stumbling across even more sort of numbers to put their season into context. They've been in front for 62% of game time this year um, across all their matches, and currently... You know, not in finals. So I think the the highest percentage I could find that of a team being in front across the season, not making finals, was Hawthorne two thousand nineteen, who had fifty two percent time in time in front across the season. So we're slightly in front for more than half the games. But yeah, Tigers are at a whopping sixty two percent. They've not it's, had a good month, have they? Well,
0: It's been the opposite. I, Rowan Connolly wrote a piece last week, last and it, and it happened again. You know, it's they've been it, it's. It's not so much luck, but it's just funny how some teams seem to be on the right end of those results and, and other teams the opposite. And Collingwood has been the one that's that's been, you know, successful winning these games and Richmond, it's the opposite. So they could very easily be flipped around, you know, in a in a... In a in an alternate universe they're flipped around
2: I mean we've got to, even if you look at the expected wins of the expected ladder using expected scores they're first at the moment so they're you know first if if first they're on top of if the if had have scored at proper accuracy Richmond would be number one in the competition this year but instead they're uh, on the outside you know looking in at the moment if they hadn't won three
1: flags in a row recently you'd be tearing your hair out as, as a Richmond fan hearing that sort of stuff
2: Oh, it, it is it's a you know and I think you know before they won the flags, they were ninth men, and you know all the jokes around Richmond. It's almost like, well, yeah, it's it's you're right. The, the five years that they've had to buffer in between the old Richmond and you know what they've had to suffer through this year, I think they can handle it with their three premierships. Fair enough. Uh, something I noticed. Look, I'm I do love the goal review system. I think having having a
1: system in place where you get the right result eventually, uh, even if it takes a little bit of time, uh, is a good idea because Absolutely. you don't want teams losing on the you know on a poor decision or one that was not seen by a goal umpire or whatever it may be. But the one I found really strange on the weekend, game in the balance at Adelaide Oval, Port Adelaide and Geelong are playing. Mm. Um, Patrick Dangerfield and Aliyah Aliyah's hand and Dangerfield's foot are heading towards the goal line with the ball just ahead. Uh, and it's a line ball call as to who's touched the ball first, whether it's the foot and it would have been a goal or whether it's the hand and it would have been a behind. The goal umpire uh, at the at the end immediately called it a touch behind uh, and, and was confident. And we love a confident goal umpire. And I've always said, you know, too often we see reviews for you know marks that have been taken a metre behind the goal line and they're still reviewing it. Um, I don't think we need to review those. I do think we need to review what happened on Saturday afternoon because it seems like, and it probably would have been deemed inconclusive from the vision that we saw, but it seems like it probably actually should have been a goal to Geelong.
0: Yeah. I, it, I, the first angle I saw, I thought goal, and the second angle I thought might be touched. But that in itself shows how tight it was. And to your point... Why was it not reviewed? Mm. It was a strange one because you you, you think in that situation the goal umpires like to err on the
1: side of caution, but this yeah. was a straight away happy to call it. Uh, and look, maybe look, he possibly had the 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 right. Um, the right result in the end. But to me, there's just this lingering chance that at least if it goes through another set of eyes, it's only going to be, you know, 35, 45 second review. At least everyone's then on the same page because, Mm. look, it could have been really costly for Geelong and we talk about top four and all this sort of other stuff. They've probably got it sewn up at this point. Um, But at the stage that the game was at, it was a tight contest and the Cats ended up winning but you
0: know yeah there's a couple of things here so the Cats ended up winning so no one talks about it Yeah, you know. so if if, if Port win that game that's what everyone's talking about throughout the week the other part of it is and it's to that Fritch point of before about the media commentary how often do you hear th- throughout a game when uh, something is reviewed th- these old dinosaur commentators saying oh do we really need to be wasting time doing this and then it's the same thing you, you're telling me the goal umpires aren't watching other games and hearing this and thinking oh maybe I've got to back my call but to what to to what point? How far? I agree one hundred percent. That one should have been reviewed, even if it's inconclusive. It was such a 50-50 that you just review it and get the right result, especially in a tight game like that.
1: We we're talking. We're also going to talk about goals after the siren, and there was one that we were discussing before we got on air about uh, Peter Riccardi Geelong against Carlton, and you know that was very possibly touched off the boot as well. You look at um, incidents like was it Cameron Mooney in the in the grand final where it shaved the post. Yeah. Um, was that 2007 Two thousand nine. one, of the, one of the ones? 2009. Yeah. The uh,
0: J- Josh Jenkins in the showdown?
1: Yeah. Uh, all these moments that probably could have gone the other way. And it. why don't we want to get the right result for this sort of stuff?
0: Yeah. No, I agree. I, I've always said the review's fine. And I have no issue with how many reviews we really see. Do you, do you guys at Champion keep numbers on how many reviews are done?
2: Yeah, we would because we... we Sort of back basically have a break in play score review so we, we will know how many have been called, but we don't know what the initial you know, how many have been switched or changed from the initial yeah. call because we don't, yeah. Because I understand
0: they, they check every go- after every goal, but one, the, the amount of times a game that they actually stop play, ball's given back to the umpire, which we still don't really know why, and they send it upstairs <laughs> on average is it two or yeah, three times a game? Two or three
2: off the top of my yeah, head, yeah. So
0: it's not that much, like it's, it's once every. 40 minutes of football we get that and it takes 30 seconds I don't think it's not as if it's like we're getting a review after every second score yep. so I, I think people need to chill out understand that every now and then it's going to happen and if it means we're more often than not getting the right result then we just do it
1: Agreed uh, I mentioned off the top we almost went a whole season without a draw uh, mm. but of course it had to be Richmond who for the third straight week seem have to have shot themselves in the foot Jake uh, you can't really write this sort of stuff And again, like like the game against North, where there was a series of strange decisions and errors that led to that that result being North winning. Uh, The same way, Richmond really could have won and should have won that game against Fremantle.
0: Yeah, um, I'm just thinking about this now. Do you remember, um, slightly off topic, but you'll see where I'm going with it. Do you remember, uh, was it J.R. Smith for Cleveland when he didn't take the shot and he tried to dribble the ball out? And LeBron's standing there, like, pleading with him, like, why did you not shoot? You know what I'm talking about? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, that was like, that shot of LeBron James was like the shot of the season. And that kind of cost them, and they ended up losing the, the championship. I think I know where you're going with this. The Jack Riew- the look on Jack <laughs> Rewalt's face, that expression, that despair when Noah Cumberland played on and the siren sounded and the game was over the draw, which, you know... Again, like kind of Melbourne and Long Collingwood, all these things we don't know what's going to happen, but that could cost some finals. That looked, seems to me to be the the shot of the season for Richmond. Just like that sums it up. It was just so close, but so far. And yeah, it, it's there's just been so many things. And I said it before, you know, you you can do it again, and Christian, and they win half these games. Like Christian said, they they could easily be top of the ladder. Certainly top four for them not to be in finals is is staggering. But I thought the criticism of Noah Cumberland was a little bit unfair. Um, oh, not just, horrendous. Not just because he's a, a a third gamer who's actually shown some really good signs, but because no one seen well, not no one, but the, the criticism seemed to not be for Noah Bolter. He was the one at fault, in my opinion, for what happened. And I know some of you, you guys might not fully agree with what I'm going to say, but for him to take that amount of time, not get his shot off, um, and as I said, eight the last eight minutes, no one scored. That was inexcusable. Not to mention that he had a shot earlier in the game in what was a low-scoring game from twenty meters out, directly in front, and missed that as well. I think he was he was responsible. And the thing that. It, probably frustrated me and would frustrate a lot of Richmond fans was he didn't seem to take responsibility afterwards in the in the post-game interview where he kind of brushed it off and said, oh, that's footy, you know, th- things happen, got to move on to next week. Yeah, I understand that, but you've also got to put your hand up at times and say, you know what, I messed up. It's my fault. Yeah, uh, but um, I don't know if you do that five minutes after the game. I, mean, there's, there's,
2: I, I really wait, enjoyed if
0: not, it. Uh, if not five minutes after the game, then when? Uh,
2: as in five minutes after the game, live on air to whoever was holding the microphone in his face. That's not, you know, you get into the rooms and you probably talk a bit more like that. But I thought I enjoyed listening to Noah Bolter after the game. I thought he was pretty honest. And I think that's just where sportsmen are at with their, you know, they do so much psych training and think you, just, you can't harp on the past. And I think we saw him almost doing that, processing that in his head, sort of realizing, all right, I've made a mistake and I've done this. But the way I've been taught to sort of process things and talk about things is, got to move on to the next one. He's got to forget about that and not do that again next time I'm in that same situation. Then say that. Because the quotes weren't great. He, he look, the the interview, I was actually
1: quite surprised they got him. Uh Richo went over to him and, and they got the interview. I'm like, oh, this is going to be quite interesting." So I'm watching the interview and, you know, what do you do? Yeah, that's the game of footy. Look at the clock. Mm. Yeah, take your thirty seconds. I'm sure he was told to take thirty seconds by one of the senior teammates. I think he
0: said Jack Rewalt told me to take his full thirty. Yeah, take thirty, not thirty six. Goodness gracious, though. Have have a
1: look, have some game awareness, uh, and and do what footballers do. This is they train for this. Yeah, and I think later later on he was just sort of like you know oh well who cares. Uh, it's just not the right thing to say at look, the time. Look, Jack
0: rewalt has been a cu- the culprit in a couple of games. He kicked two six against uh, North. North. Uh, kind of, you could say, cost them that game, and he was—I think he was inaccurate again, um, in this one. But he is a smart player, Jack Rewalt, and he would have—he would have waited twenty-nine seconds before he started walking. And again, not to criticize Cumberland, but he would have—if if if, if Rewalt takes that mark, he he just doesn't even turn around.
2: Yeah, you talk about that—you know—the LeBron James sort of action that Jack Rewalt did. It would have been like. Living in a bad dream for the second time over, yeah. because we know Jack. R- out of all those players on the field, I would have thought Jack Riewoldt would have had the most game sense to know exactly yeah. where the game nah. was at when he, Noah comes. He's a 300 game mark. veteran. He just, he's
1: kicked so many goals that he that yeah. he knows the game awareness, and, the situation. Yeah. But
2: just to see it two weeks in a row, to see a teammate just go off his line at the siren, at you know, you, you you couldn't imagine that happening. And as I said, to to not only see it twice in your career, but to see it twice in back to back weeks for Jack Riewoldt mm. it must must be just killing him.
1: Yeah. Do, you, do you drop? Bolter after that? I mean, what, what what do you do? Do you put uh, your arms around him and say, no, nah, no, nah, we'll get you back in next week? Like, is there is there room in the game I to don't sort think of be like...
0: I don't think you drop him. Um, I mean, they need to win. They need <sighs> to win and they've, they've, they can't lose another game. they got to win... I think they've got to win all four now. Um, certainly got to win three. Three and a draw might be good enough because <laughs> um, the percentage is still better than the Bulldogs, I think, but... Still better than Collingwood's. Yeah, but... Um, no, I, I think you don't drop him and it's not something that happens all the time, but yeah, I think you just got to be better than that. And to some extent, I agree like it is footy and it does happen And but mistakes do happen, but yeah, it was a pretty, pretty egregious error. And yeah, I think, um, I think he'll be think he'll, he'll, despite what he says that it is footy, he will be living with that for a while.
2: And I think one thing that's been glossed over across the last two weeks, and it's you know, going back to Noah Cumberland is probably how good he's been, how clutch he's been. He took the mark, that led to the Jake Art. Like, he's the one that delivered it inside 50 to yeah. Jake Arts the week before. Plus, he's clunked that mark when he really needed to now. So, three games into his career, he's sort of made it, you know, become a good medium forward. He's. I've sort of said he's taught us doing the Jacob Townsend role for me. If Richmond can go on to win another premiership, he always <laughs> ends up like a Jacob Townsend story. But, again, just uh, I think I'd just look a little bit deeper in the last two weeks and just thought, well, Noah Cumberland looks like he could be one of those clutch players that in... 100 games time of his we could be talking about him like robbie gray
0: on, on the other side of it with the news of kane Lambert retiring which has been glossed over a little bit um considering um how important he was to to the the three pete uh not sorry not three pete yep. three premierships three premierships yeah what am i thinking yeah <laughs> um yeah it just uh just the fact that he's now gone um there's the, there's the storyline about dusty is he going to leave um falling off probably not going to make finals this year is 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 richmond looking at a bit of a rebuild yeah
1: well uh, this is this is the thing isn't it this is where clubs and list managers and coaching staff need to all be on the same page because we've seen this from west coast after they won their flag and how they've tried to keep going we saw mm. collingwood really struggle with their list management decisions after
0: they made that grand final as well in 2018 uh geelong's really been the only team to to stay relevant hawthorne and, tried for yeah. a
1: while and were okay and then fell pretty yeah. quickly so and there's a, the yeah.
0: conversations need to start happening now about where richmond sees itself in five years do you want to be do you want to be you know fighting around that sort of seventh to tenth mark or do you go down for a couple of years in the hope of rebounding back up I,
2: I need a longer time to answer it But I'm I'm leaning towards the 7th and 10th mark There's not a lot of evidence That tanking yourself and taking yourself to the bottom of the ladder Does much good for yeah. your team mm. uh, I know Melbourne got through with their premiership But that was 07 and 08 was a long time before they won their premiership
0: I don't know how mm. much you can really
2: account to that Tanking in world sport, there's not a lot of great not not a lot of great evidence that leads well, to no the ultimate success. Because
0: even if you even if you get the number one draft pick, well, what guarantees that? So that's breed? what I mean being yeah.
2: seventh and tenth and in the mix and getting some finals experience and hoping yep. to sort of you know just top up every now and again and go mm. again. I think that's a better. And I guess be. by
0: doing that, you're also more likely to attract other players if you're if you're playing in finals, albeit finishing seventh, yeah, than that. as opposed to being seventeenth.
2: There's yeah. also a
1: balance to be struck between looking at you know the older generation who are still probably some of yeah. their better players and then looking to move them on while they have currency while they have yeah, value. That, that's
2: the Big thing is the currency, the yep. being able to flip plays. and I think that's Hawthorne what, waited too long. Yeah, and Geelong have been lucky, lucky in terms of how they've been able to do it with some, you know, free agency probably came at the right time, so they've yep. been able to get some of those guys for free. But that's going to be the big thing for Richmond. Yeah, it's, it could be great to lose Dusty at the moment because they could end mm. up with four great things coming back. Or, uh, but yeah, that's the thing, you know, you Kochan, Rewalt, all those sort of guys. They, they once they leave, they leave your club with and you, know, you don't get anything in return. Yeah, mm,
1: interesting times for the Tigers. Do we like the draw, Jake? Because we've had, you know, obviously, inevitably, uh, there's commentary saying, oh, let's just play some extra time and let's just get a result and get some four points. Do you like the draw or do you do you subscribe to that theory?
0: The only thing with a draw that kind of is frustrating is that two points in the grand scheme of things means nothing. It's almost like both teams lost. Unless uh, unless a team has two multiple draws in a season, like it does feel like a team has lost because it, you're now in this limbo of how many points you've got. But no, keep the draw as is. I don't think playing extra time is a bit of drama, needed. bit of we discussion. We don't have it often. Like yeah. we don't we have a, one or two draws a season. Why what about football, like soccer? <laughs> Every second game's a draw, but you don't play extra time unless it's a knockout competition. Yeah. No, I, I think have keep it as a draw. That in itself is entertaining, I think, and yeah. Well to I, the that, neutrals at least. Yeah, I don't think it's always a bit weird and players say af- afterwards, I think they were talking to Andy Brayshaw and he said, I've never played in a draw and he said it's just so weird, the feeling about three times. Well, I've
2: heard that as, yeah, that's justification to change it apparently because yeah, it, no. it feels weird for the players yeah. in a game. Too bad. Nah. still a, Win a draw. Win the game yeah. then or lose the game.
0: Yeah, no, I... I, I the, the only thing that is different is no... No um, theme song is played. <laughs> <It's> <laughs> just, you're cares? just left to just discuss and there's yeah. this buzz that goes around yeah. the ground. That's it is strange. a weird feeling, but so, like, who cares? That's yeah. part of it. So is getting beaten by 100 points, but we're not going to s- s- play a mercy rule at 10 goals up. <laughs> uh, got me thinking. Some quirky, some fun draw stats. Christian, we,
1: we asked you to sort of look at draws throughout the years, and Jake sort of said just then we have one or two a year. Is that
0: right?
2: Yeah, so we've had um, 156 draws um, across AFL, VFL history. Uh, 156
0: sure. draws in like 130. Yeah, so years? just
2: over yeah, just over you know one a, year. one a year. Um but yeah, so looked at home and away games that, that have been played, um or well, looked at all games. So if you look at all premiership games, sixteen thousand one hundred and forty five games of footy have been 16, played. Sixteen thousand? One hundred and forty five since eighteen ninety seven that is. Um and 164 of those been draws, so basically one percent. Um right. take out finals because obviously you can't always have a draw in a final uh, so, home and away, 15,463 home and away games, 156 draws. So, again, 1% of games. So, um, yeah, just some of the, you know, quirky stats. So, which teams have been involved in the most draws? Essendon, across their history, have been involved in 36. Uh, Carlton with 34 and Collingwood with 28. So, you know, obviously the three are the oldest, the Big bigger yeah, clubs. Fair enough. But Collingwood, yeah, five of those have been in finals. So... Uh the only team that's had more than two finals that have finished in draws is Collingwood, I've heard five. Yeah. So well, the
1: Grand Final in twenty ten.
2: Uh was it them against North Melbourne? Seventy seven. Seventy seven. Yep. The they, the West Coast won. In nineteen ninety, yep. Uh,
1: the West Coast won again. Yeah. Uh ooh, what else? Mondays I think there was one back yeah, I haven't got no, the year, but I think there was one an, another draw in Grand Final against
2: Richmond or Geelong back in yeah, in, back in the twenties or thirties. So Wow. Um yeah, Richmond. Uh, sorry, Fitzroy sort of come up high. They're twenty-five draws um, across their time for us. So a team that's been out of mm. the comp for about twenty years is still equal fifth for the most draws. Um, I don't, mean, looked at yeah.
0: Don't know if you've got this, but I feel like Jack Rewald himself has played in quite a few draws.
2: Uh, so do we have
0: pl- anything on players?
2: Yeah, so he's at the equal most. So the one that surprised oh, yeah. me is yes, yeah, another one is Shane Edwards, who is reaching his three hundredth game this week, and Probably. I thought.
0: Three hundred game, like I love J-
2: Shane Edwards. Been been a massive fan of him. But three hundred games—that's a long time he's been yeah. in the league. And I'm like, I didn't realize he been in the league that long. But he's also he's been, been. in all of them. As yeah, well. he's played in seven draws. So himself, uh, Jack Riewoldt, <laughs> that's, Brad that's Johnson a hit, for the Bulldogs, uh, and two Essendon players from back in the day. I think Barry Davis and Bill Hutchinson from 1940s. Seven 50s, out of three
1: hundred. Right. We're talking about the sort of one percentage,
2: yeah. Yeah. yeah, he's
0: well above the. Who Who's played the most games without a draw? You got that one. <laughs> I'll be
2: able to... Check, I don't have it on my piece of paper, but I'll, I'll be able to check that chase that up from the spreadsheet I was using. That's probably interesting. Yeah, yeah. I don't know how many draws Michael Tuck played in and things like that. But uh, Boom yeah, up. looked at the most common score. So I don't know if you guys want to play a bit of uh, closest to the pin challenge. What's the most popular score in VFL, AFL history? Oh, it would be like All games 78. One point in. off, okay. seventy nine. Oh, th- yeah, I think oh we, yeah, you were no, going to no,
0: say I th- it. No, I wasn't going to say that, but I think we. I remember we did this recently. Yeah, yeah. Okay. No, because we were talking about the most common margin. The most common margin is one, one point. point. Yeah.
2: Yeah. So seventy nine is the most common score, and it's the most common score in draws as well. So it's the most. You yeah. know, that's like I guess you have got
1: sixteen thousand. How many home away
0: games? All draws have we had?
2: Eight eight times we've had. So eight of the hundred. And uh, Eight of the 164 draws have been with a score of 79. Um, 76 has been scored six times in draws, so that's the second most common score in a draw. Do you have the highest draw score? Yeah, 10th most common score. 76 is the 10th most common score across all games, but second most... Have we ever
0: had a a 200-point team draw?
2: No, so the lowest score in a draw, again, 1898. No surprise there. Carlton Melbourne, 28 all. I don't
0: know. No, 52s for, for the modern era is pretty low. It's under the low, roof. Yeah.
2: So in Shit. 2020, again, shortened season, we had a 36 all draw. And that was Collingwood-Richmond. So that was the fifth lowest ever. And again, shortened games. So but yeah, 132 uh, points each scored by Essendon and Carlton in 93. Don't know if you guys might be too young for that one. But I remember six months old. <laughs> round two, 1993, I was sitting at Waverley with the good old ABGHEF scores up on the scoreboard. Yes. And I think we worked out that EF was Carlton and Essendon. And we heard a guy in front of us say, "Kernahan's just taken a mark and the siren's gone. Oh. I stared at that screen for 10 minutes waiting for the score to change <laughs> and nothing happened because it never came up with post-match. He missed or game on the full, didn't he? He kicked it out in the full, but it was for 10 minutes afterwards just going, why is that score not changing? Like yeah. it was yeah, it was a draw, but that was a high scoring draw. Missing uh, missing have ever seen.
1: Missing everything when you've got a chance to beat oh, Essendon, that should preclude you from being on the Carlton team of the century. That's yeah. that's criminal.
0: You're not in the Hall of Fame.
1: Uh, anything else before we move on?
2: Uh, I just looked at uh so the most inaccurate team in a draw, Carlton uh, drew with the Bulldogs after scoring nine goals twenty-five yeah. in nineteen thirty five. They don't even deserve the two points. The Do they got, give you the two points? Well, the Bulldogs back then? got twelve seven, yeah. And the most accurate in a draw, sort of eking out the two points was Saints finished with a draw for Hawk. Uh, with Hawthorne, so the Saints scored 14 goals, three across the game, and Hawks scored 39. That was in 2010. So, again, that's one of the draws where you know St Kilda's probably walking away thinking, geez, we're lucky to sort of pull two yeah. points out of that one with you know 10 fewer scoring shots.
1: I agree, I think the draw's the draws, great. You get all this sort of like quirky are stuff, they're really there quite many people memorable.
0: That, that are against it seems saying. like it. I, uh, I, I get exhausted a, by everything. Yeah, yeah. I've heard it seems too much like about it. it this, this time, but.
1: Do you like the draw? Maybe we'll do a, a poll on Twitter yeah, at Footy Tips. I, get around it. Do you like the draw or do you not? Uh, Collingwood. I think,
0: it's different in a, I think it's different in a final. A final is different because you, you... Well, you have to get a result. Yeah, you need a result. And I don't. I think they made the right decision by not having the re, the replay grand final anymore. Um, but for regular home and away games, I think just leave it as a draw. If
1: you're not good enough to win from yeah. the preceding two or 120 minutes... Bad luck, you get two points. Uh, the pies. Speaking of luck, perhaps uh, have won again. Another close one. Uh, and Jake, this is a year after they finished seventeenth. They're in the top four now. They look likely to. Well, they're going to play finals. Mm. Um, they they could possibly finish in the top four again. Be the first time I reckon since West Coast came back from when they finished last or second last or something like that, mm. made a prelim the next year. Am, yeah. I, am I imagining
0: Yeah, things? no, they did. Over yeah. about 2014 or something, was it? Yeah, I, don't, yeah, I can't the, think of one since. That the the best come comeback since then. Yeah.
1: Uh, so so they're on the right track. They've obviously won a few tight ones, though. So their percentage of 106.2 is a bit here nor there. So that's where they've been in danger of falling out. But because they yeah. keep winning, it looks like their their spot is assured. But Jake, thinking back to this game, and we're going to analyse the last few minutes of this one as well, I don't think I can remember a team that was so likely to lose with 45 seconds left, and then they won.
0: No, I, nor can I. When uh, Harry Jones caught Jeremy Howe holding the ball a minute... What was there left? A minute 10 or yeah. something? He kicked the ball with about 40 seconds left. Yeah, so at that moment, it was like, you know, Collingwood fans in the aisles heading for the exits. Oh, Ess- Essendon had won. Like, you couldn't, you know, you, you you if you said, I'll bet my house on Essendon, we'll, the bookies will say, I will give you a dollar back if they lose. Like, you, there was just no way... That they were ever going to lose that game from that point, yet they did. And there's so many moments from that, that last 70 seconds that you can look at. And I know we'll talk. You'll probably talk about it more. But for me, it wasn't even. It wasn't the fact he missed. It wasn't an easy shot. Like he hit the post, took his full amount of time, hit the post. It wasn't the miss. It wasn't even the way they set up, which was horrific. It wasn't the fact that they let uh, Bianco on the wing get the ball in acres of space which was horrific. It was the fact that Jamie Elliott, who's one of the shortest players on the ground, was able to outmark two Essendon defenders who didn't get anybody on him and didn't get the uh, fingernail on the ball. That, to me, was the most inexcusable part of it. And credit to him. Like, I've always loved Jamie Elliott. I think he's been a great player and a forgotten player for a long period of time when because he's, he had, has had some serious injuries and missed a lot of footy but he's always been a beautiful kick for goal. Um and he knew it was his moment because it wasn't like there was 5 seconds left. There was plenty of, there was 25 seconds left when he marked that. That was the other thing how quick they got the ball up to him. And he just waited. He said, "No, I'm I'm going to take the shot." And it was, and, he, and he waited to the point where he's like, "Well, I know I can't play on now. I know I can't run around and get an extra couple of meters." So that was going to be a tougher kick, but he still backed himself in and look credit to him. Collingwood's streak continues. But, yeah, the fact that he was able to take a, 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 a basically an uncontested mark with two players around him was inexcusable. Uh, going back to the Harry Jones thing, and we talked about Cumberland and inexperience compared
1: to what Revolt might have done in the situation for Richmond. Um, I don't know how much this would happen at AFL clubs, but surely there's a, a message delivered to someone like that in that situation. He's up. His team is up. The worst thing you can do in the situation is if give the ball, the ball back to yeah. Collingwood, right? Yeah. So having the shot at goal would extend, if you kick the goal, great. But if you if you miss, which is just as likely, say it's, say it's a 50-50, he was probably a better than a 50-50 chance from where he was. It was a, a pretty, he was straight in front, wasn't acres out. Um, but he misses, the ball goes back. If he misses out on the full, the balls go back. If it falls short, it could be marked. There needs to be a thing in AFL where they start doing the NFL sort of style, take a knee and that's look behind, because everyone's going to be rushing in to try and get on the line and, and, and force the ball over or, or get an intercept mark or whatever. Dyson Heppel, or whoever it needs to be, needs to sort of go 20 metres back and across and say, Harry, take your 20, 25 seconds, 27 seconds, turn around and kick it to me. I can take another seven seconds off. I can find someone quickly yeah, while Collingwood scramble.
0: Yeah, but the thing is, there was a minute, There was so you said he kicked it with 45 seconds to go. If he kicks it yep. back to Heppel with 45 seconds to go, he's got he's got six seconds. And then he's got to kick it. That, that that point, there shouldn't be another open player.
1: Well, there, there might not be, but you're still you're still keeping the ball away from Collingwood as long as you can.
2: Yeah, but
0: I still think you take the shot for th- that amount of time. Left. I agree. I, I like your
2: idea about taking the knee, but there's nothing as there's nothing in football that's as safe no, as taking a knee. So even correct, kicking yes. backwards to Heppel, you're still a what risk if he of drops turning it over. Yeah. yeah. So I'm 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 more big on Essendon's setup from the kick-in. It should you should not be able to score against from a team that's you know. Within 30, 40 seconds yeah. of a kicking, when all they got to do is try to like not let you score, Essendon weren't into attack mode anymore. They didn't mm-hmm. need the ball. They just needed to make sure. And that you know, as soon as Harry Jones missed, they just needed to make sure Collingwood didn't get it to within 50 metres of goal. Yeah. They well, they set up for the,
0: the quick kick down the
1: middle, the big talk down but, the middle. But they yeah. didn't need the they 20 blokes
0: in the space of a uh, 10 square metres. Yeah,
2: that's the thing. It's just spreading out those 18 players. They, while Harry Jones was having a shot at goal, he should have been the odd one out, and the other 17 players should have been set up across the next 140 metres of the field. Why they were all sort of... Yeah, all you're talking about they were defending that first kick yeah. in 70 metres. That's great. What about there, the next one There the were next
0: twen- one? There were 22 players both from both sides in, in um, about a 10 square metre little patch. But yeah, to your point, why not? Why are they not spread out across the ground? They didn't need a single person closer to their attacking goal than Jones, and everyone should have been behind him, set up in a zone, and then they can then they can go to where the ball is. And that should have. And that they don't even have,
2: need to go to where the ball is half the time. That's what I'm saying. They didn't need to win the ball. They just they knew Collingwood they need to stop. Collingwood can't score yeah. from center half back. Mm-hmm. Collingwood have a have a range that they can yeah. score on. All it's they, they just needed to was, do his, was to yeah. just
0: they just needed a stoppage. And the game was over. And they needed some... Whether it was Heppel or Merritt or Shield or someone... Some experienced player in the team to be barking those instructions. Because they had... They... The, cra- the thing was, it was a... From the moment that there was that holding the ball... And then there was the couple of seconds of Jeremy Howe with his hands on his head. And, the, and it felt like the game was over. And Jones even had a, had a few extra seconds because the ball went away. They had about 40 seconds to be ready for that it wasn't like it was a flying shot and they were all out of position they had so much time so did, did Essendon lose it or did Collingwood win it Essendon lost it because because you can look back to the first quarter and you've got to remember it was what was it 38 to 1 at quarter time mm. so I feel sorry for Essendon fans because they they got, they got lost that game twice they had to experience <laughs> the first quarter thrashing then they had the euphoria of thinking they'd won the game and then they lost it out of nowhere A few TikTok vids uh, came across my desk, Jake. Um, There was
1: one in particular being taken by someone from the MCC members. The siren goes and this Essendon fan jumps up celebrating. I was just thinking, oh no, this poor bloke's gone early and started, you know, celebrating. And he he just sort of watches the ball sail through and and just sits down. You
0: you must be wasted or something. You'd (laughs) have to know the situation of the game. Um,
1: Nine win streak now. So. And and you look at the margins and the teams they've been So Essendon plus four, Adelaide plus five, and the Crows were steaming home. And they were up at 1.2 in that game. Mm. Uh, North Melbourne, they were five goals up against the Pies. Ended up winning by seven. Gold Coast, they won by five. And Gold Coast was up by about 12 with uh, 15 minutes to go. Uh, GWS, they won by 11. Hawthorne, they won by four. Carlton, they won by four. Uh, You know, Weedering goes down early in that game, and maybe things are a bit different. How much of this is luck, and how much of it is they are a team that knows how to deal with these tight contests? Because it's... You can kind of make arguments for both. I get the feeling.
0: I don't think it's either, to be honest. Um, I I don't really subscribe to the fact that oh, a team is just good at winning tight games because I wouldn't be surprised if they then lost the next eight. I think that's just team it, it, Streaks happen like this, and I don't think there's any reason behind why it happens. I also don't really believe in luck. It's not as if it's not as if um their opposition has just kicked. Three goals, fifty every game, and they're just kicking themselves out of it. They've won the games; they deserve to win all these games. You just said Essendon lost. Well, Essendon <laughs> they they shot themselves in the foot in the first quarter and the and the final. But yeah. Jamie Elliott went back and 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 as you his,
2: said, Collingwood kicked six goals to zip in the first quarter. So yeah, they, they deserve up. to
0: win the game. I don't, but I I just believe that in the in the long run, and you know, I I imagine Christian would agree with this: is everything sort of does revert back to the mean?
2: A little bit, yeah, but. Yeah, it definitely does. But I think that's why this is more than just luck. And this is exactly what we spoke about Essendon in terms of not probably knowing exactly what they were supposed to do in that game situation. What Collingwood executed with that ball and getting Bianco free, I'm sure they're practicing. I'm sure that wasn't a fluke. Um, So again, it's about training for those game situations and just being prepared, sort of not, not panicking when you're behind, not trying to get, you know, sort of too far ahead of yourself when you're in front. I think they had, you know, a... A pretty big lead against Carlton, and Carlton just, you know, took twenty-five, thirty minutes for Carlton to get back. And all Collingwood could do was hold on for that thirty minutes. But they did. And they did. Yeah. they have had other ones where they've overrun teams in the last thirty minutes, so they've done yeah, it all it, different exactly. ways. So, yeah. I, I seriously don't think there's any luck to it, and I give a lot of credit to Collingwood for being able to do um, the way they train their game management and game situation stuff. Must be incredible.
0: <laughs> I, I was way off with Collingwood at the start of the year. I had, I had them finishing bottom four. I really was down on pies at the start of the end. It was, it was an awful call by me in the end. Um, and I'm not trying to have a. I'm not trying to find a get out here, but do we think the draw, and it, and, and the, the benefit of finishing um, in the bottom six is you do get an easier draw. Do you think the draw has helped them? Do you think that next year they are t- there a genuine top four chance? Well,
2: they lost to West Coast to North, so <laughs> it's a bit of a weird one to answer. It's like the, the two easiest opposition. They've only lost four games, and two of those have been to the bottom two teams in it. So did they lose to North? it should have, oh, sorry,
0: they yeah, they sorry, they got over against seven. North. yeah, they just they lost, bit, yeah, yeah, they yeah they lost they coast. lost that weird one to sorry, west yeah, coast to round North. 2 or 3 or something. Yeah, but um yeah, i i don't know. I mean, i even this year they're going to be a top 4 team, but do we no one's really talking about collingwood as can they win the flag this year?
1: Well, the percentage like we, we touched on it before, 106.2. Uh going back to 2000, just five teams have finished in the top 4 with a percentage of less than 110. So, we're looking at 106.2 North in 2000, 107.8 Richmond 2001, 109.7 the Pies in 2002, 109.8 Fremantle in 2007, and 109.3 North in 2007. Hasn't happened since
0: 2007. Hmm. Yeah, I mean, if they finish fourth and play, say, Geelong at the MCG, (laughs) they're a chance. Like, I know know we've still got a month of footy to play, and who knows what's going to happen, but... I just no one is no one's given it any thought that ca- how far can Collingwood go this year? It, it it seems to be oh they're on a good winning streak and they're winning tight games and all of this stuff, but they're not. It's not like they get scraping into the eight. They might they might scrape. They might not even scrape in. They might comfortably make the top four.
2: They could.
1: Christian, any other bits and pieces on Collingwood that are worth mentioning for for the listeners? Oh,
2: probably yeah. It was probably more looking at how you know, out of the box this season has been for them. So you're right, the, the 106.2%, they're currently, sorry, they're 13-5 and five at the moment. So that's the second lowest percentage ever of a 13-5 and five side at 106. Uh, and, yeah, the eight games that they've won by 1-12 to 12 points is the equal most one uh, in a season. I think we've seen it four other times um, with the team winning at least eight games by 1-12. So, again, another so another win by nice less record, than two yeah. goals. Yeah, that'll be the, the, the highest record. So, again... I, you know, I'm probably one of those ones. I, I don't, I can't see them winning the whole thing, but I think it's a big tick for them this year in terms of the the big thing for me is that they've become hard to play against. They're great at pressure, and they're really, really hard to move the ball against. But again, looking at previous premiership winners, Melbourne, Richmond, even Geelong back in the day, they were always the best at something. Collingwood still hasn't worked out what they want to be the best. They're just good at everything, which is great. So it's always a bonus season for them that if they can finish top four and just get some finals experience on them, then yeah, they'll they'll be bigger bigger for it next year. But Again, I'm pro- I think just The experience just, and just where they're coming the... from It's probably, yeah I don't I don't see them as a serious yeah. threat To win the premiership this year I,
0: I, I look at them a little like Probably a bit better But I look at them like Hawthorne Three or four years ago Where they Were on the way down They had a very They did have an easy draw And they finished top four yeah. And they have never felt like a top four team Think they went out Think they lost both finals Was that and, the Isaac Smith and, year?
1: 2016? No it was I later think it was later that. than that I think yeah. it
0: was like 18 or something um yeah, I, I kind of looks feels a bit like that. But I don't know. There's something about this Collingwood team. They they seem to be a resilient side and they got good players across all their lines. Probably just missing that that key forward that can break a game open. I think they're that they're, they're just one play, they feel a player short at the moment. Mm. Yeah, it's funny. You
1: look at someone like Tex who's resigned at Adelaide. Probably yeah. would have been a, a really good fit for a, a season or two.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Then mm. all of a sudden Mychek can become sort of your your second guy that you, who, he feels like he's a bit of a medium position. Is he a general forward Mychek or is he a key? I've oh, got him as key because of he plays role. key, but, because but he has to, yeah. 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 Um but yeah, he can sort of start to and then you've obviously got players like Elliot and that but but yeah, I don't know. I, I it'll be interesting. They they're a hard team to um to get a to get a real read on and it's hard, it's hard to predict what they're going to do uh, in the next Month or who knows maybe two months
1: before we move on from the pies Jack Ginnivan and the the tackle from Mason Redman any any thoughts
0: Well it's a it's a free kick Yeah well it should have been a free kick but and I think that's been said a thousand times so I don't think we need to keep talking about it but yeah it it's like like the Fritch thing and like the um like the. The goal, the goal umpires with the review it's the same thing you know the umpires hear the commentary around Ginevan and they're looking they're looking for it and he's it's he's shot himself in the foot a little bit by by exaggerating it earlier in his in his career mm. he
2: still went to throw the arm up in this this that contest yeah so as I well. think that's what got it wrong I think what the umpire was saw is, yeah, you're was not that allowed to throw your arm up, and that makes Redmond hit you in the head. So that's where it's like yeah, play on. But, but as soon as Redmond actually high. takes a grip of the head yeah, and then yeah. pulls down again, that's <laughs> the free kick. So I'm I'm happy for the first yeah. initial contact play Absolutely. on. Yeah, but uh, as soon as your arm wraps around their head, it's 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 no longer like. Yeah. It was almost like the umpire thought, okay, because he's lifted his arm. Mason Redmond has free reign. Yeah, free range yeah. to do whatever because just, he's the one that's just taking on his arm this
0: up. though. I must say, that one was wrong, and there were a couple that were like probably could have been a free. But I prefer fewer f- high f- tackle frees paid, or high contact, and I felt like we had fewer paid, and those ones that are like, oh, they're yeah, gonna they drop,
2: pay that, dropped by thirty from previous round. Is yeah, that right. Cycles? Yeah, mm. and
0: I, I noticed there were less that were paid, and I preferred that. I, I just, I get frustrated seeing those little borderline ones getting paid, and you know that, and you just know they're gonna. The umpires, you're just waiting to hear the whistle. I'm glad they're not paying those those ones anymore, and I'm glad it just keep, but still pay it. You're still gonna pay the ones that are there, and the real high contact freeze pay them, but those other ones that are that sort of might slip slightly high or something like that. I'm happy with them to just be play on. Fair enough. Uh, moving on,
1: we were discussing offline uh, during the weekend, Christian. What a high scoring round it seemed to be, aside from the Friday night game. Uh, we also saw Melbourne lost by uh, lost by a few points to by ten points to the Dogs. There's an old wives' tale going around that if you're the first team to 100, you win the game. You know, most of the time, uh, the D's made it to 100 first in their game against the Dogs and ended up losing, which kind of sent uh, send a few people on Twitter into a spin, saying, "Oh, you know, that old adage it's been proven wrong again." So I thought I'd ask you, if you hit 100 first, are you any more or less likely to win the game than if you don't?
2: Uh, you are very much more likely to win the game if you hit 100 first. Um, a little bit to do with the fact that. Usually, you're the only team that you know. There's, I mean, there's been 20 games where, oh, sorry, 11 games this year. I think where both teams have hit 100. So, um, it's not altogether rare. But again, yeah, it's you look at the numbers. So before the weekend, um, before Melbourne lost to the Bulldogs on the weekend, it was round two, 2017, was the last time a team had reached 100 first and lost. So that was North Melbourne losing to Geelong uh, in round two, 2017. So I think we've seen about. Um, I think I said it's a year, so there was about 240 games played since that, That's that since that Round 2 game up until the Melbourne game where the first team to 100 had won. It was a 100% record, so um, it's a pretty good number. I mean, we did it to 75 as well. This year, if you were the first, this was early in the season, if you're first to 75, you win 75% of games. so pretty good record. But yeah, 100 seems to be that sort of that magical number. Not many teams lose once hitting the mark, but... As you saw on Saturday night, never say never. Never say never. Uh, high scoring round as well. You had some stats about
1: Saturday in particular.
2: Yeah, well, we, you know, sort of a high scoring round. Friday let us down, as we said, in a very low scoring draw. But yes, yeah, Saturday um, was the it was one thousand and twelve points scored across the day from all the teams. So that's the eighth highest scoring day since ninety nine. Uh, But the fourth highest scoring day that only had five games. So there's been a few games since 99 where we've had six games
0: on in a day. It's funny,
1: we normally lament more total points. In the middle of winter that uh, games are a bit scrappier and a bit lower scoring. And we've had this out of the box. Some of
0: those first quarters in those games on... Nine goals by the Swans. Swans. Eight goals for Hawthorne. Yeah. Um, I did notice that. That was actually going to be my something I noticed. Because I... had the i had one of the games on and the other game was in the corner and the score like every 2 seconds the score just kept changing and it was
1: just i was ready to turn the first the early games off cuz yeah. they were they were done and dusted but the crows sort of came back they actually won the the last three quarters the crows against yeah. the swans
0: it was it was competitive yeah, yeah. there was a few games that were kind of like that um there you go you
2: know I feel, yeah i feel like Scoring in the in the last three or four weeks, it feels like teams are a bit more attacking for this time of year than usual.
1: Well, we talked about Essendon last week and their attack at all costs mentality. Well, we could see that on the weekend in the last two minutes because they weren't able to defend and they were just going for this attacking sort of motion. So I, I guess when you are sort of maybe out of the, the race as well, you're just happy to sort of throw caution to the wind and mm. try and think some things and experiment.
0: Having said that though, I, and I've I've been consistent on this for a long time, in my opinion, contrary to what the oldies will tell you, Scoring does not equate to better football, better football games. No, I agree. Yeah,
1: you can have like low-scoring defensive contests that are quite engrossing uh, yeah. and engaging.
0: My the ideal score for me is around to pretty much the average around that sort of seventy-five to eighty-point mark. I think that's a good amount of scoring. When you're getting both teams scoring 110, 120 points, it's lock it it's kicking. It's too much. 14 goals and in a Dunstool game. kicking 14 at one end. I don't want to see that much. Nah. It, it cheapens, it devalues the go- a goal. Get some defense. Having said that, I don't. Also, I also don't want to see, you know, the 52-52 draw. There were parts of that game that were entertaining, but it was a bit of a scrap. And considering that it, that game was at Marvel, yeah. I mean, that's... Not good enough. You
1: better hope our friend of the pod, Ron Connolly, doesn't listen to this episode because he's a big fan of those sort of games. He
0: likes likes Dunstall up one and kicking 13 (laughs) and Lockett kicking 17. Hey, guys. We know you love your footy, but perhaps you fancy a bit of rugby too. If so, then why not check out ESPN Scrum Reset where Sam Bruce and Christy Doran discuss all the hot topics in the game from Super Rugby to the Wallabies and All Blacks and even further afield. Available wherever you get your pods.
1: Is the hype justified, or is it hyperbole? The segment where I'll say a statement, you guys tell me whether the hype is justified, or I'm speaking in hyperbole. If you land on your feet after taking a screamer, Christian, you're not winning Mark of the Year.
2: Yeah, I'm. I'm a little bit. I think this is almost justified hype. We have to do a bit of a study on it, but yeah, I know exactly where you're coming from. Mitch Georgiadis lands too cleanly, gets up so high, takes on Todd s- Marshall, and takes him at full stretch. So he takes him about three meters in the air, or three and a half meters up in the air. But then, yeah, just lands on his feet perfectly and goes back takes his shots. Just not as exciting, is Isn't that
0: is more of a skill to be able to do that? Oh, I
2: agree. So. I agree, but I feel like yeah, you, get, you don't get the votes. Yeah. You don't get the popular votes if you don't have a acrobatic Adam Saad,
1: another one too, landed on his feet. Yeah. Uh, I don't know. I just feel like if you fall to the ground, the further you... F- it's not about how high you get. It's about how far you fall <laughs> and how cool you can make the roll afterwards and all that sort of stuff.
0: Well, yeah. I mean... I don't know. I'm not a big Mark of the Year kind of guy. Oh, but
1: you're a Brownlow guy. No, I'm a
0: Brownlow mean? guy. I'm a. i am prefer the Goal of the Year to, to Mark of the Year. I feel like.
1: Uh, okay, Goal of the Year. Dacos winning that. Josh Dacos.
0: He won it. Did he win it last year? Oh, that's testing me. He did. I th- no. Sarong won it last year. I reckon Dacos won it the year before. Okay, I'll trust you on that one. For a game on Anzac Day, I'm. Just, I, I'm I remember the Brownlow. I remember he was uh, nominated he at the Brownlow. I can't late. remember if he won it. Yeah, I'm pretty sure he won. Sarong, I'm pretty sure, got it last year. Oh, look, there's been a few good ones this year. Dacos is up there. Sarong himself kicked a really good goal a few weeks ago um, against Port in yes. that same game where Charlie Dixon kicked that other ripper from the boundary. Yeah. Oh, there's been there's always good goals. It's always difficult to pick.
2: Sam Draper last week.
0: Oh, yeah. Sam he, we talked about this. Still got, still we got, this. got we, my vote. We still penciled it in, didn't we? Did he win it? Are you searching that now, Christian? Did Dacos win it? I think he did.
2: We'll give the Wi-Fi a chance to catch up. 2020, goalie. There you go.
0: Well done.
1: Uh, Time to scrap the medical subject.
0: Um, Yeah, it is. Yeah. Well, it's time to... For what? For nothing? It's time to... Well, I don't know. That's why I hesitated. I don't know if it's scrap the medical sub and go back to just having four on the bench and that's it. Or do we go and have just five on the bench and, and now it's 23 players? Or do we just go to four on the bench plus a sub? That's the one. And that's probably the one that makes the most sense. Yep. And have a sub, and it can be activated and used at any time for any reason. Not doesn't have to be medical. It can be tactical. If you use your sub early um, and you get a, an injured player, tough luck. Um, and that's, that's the way it goes. But I think at the moment, there are too many teams... Taking advantage of the loose nature of the system.
1: I think Dimmer on Friday night might have.
0: We saw, yeah, we've Miller seen Miller came off,
1: and then uh, who, who was it that came on and had a really Morris, big impact? Morris Rioli yeah. Jr. came on and had.
0: Yeah, I mean, two totally different players. You know, yeah. it's a it's a tight scrap. They need they need to get some energy. Calf tightness or something. Yeah, and he just comes spell. off and sits on the bed. You a know, um, obviously. Chris Scott has come under a little bit of criticism too with Reece Stanley, who's well, apparently now out for five weeks.
2: <laughs> well, that, that that is the thing. That was the thing of the medical sub was you have to be reasonably expect the player not to be available for the next twelve weeks. I think we're up to twenty eight players that have played the next, the next week, week after yeah. being subbed well, out. Well, taken, that's,
0: taken the, the, that's with... the ultimate <clears throat> part of it, excuse me, is if you're subbed out, you cannot play next week.
1: No, see, I don't agree with this because you might have a hamstring, like little tightness or something, and you go, well, I don't want to aggravate this well, further, but then, I'll be able to play next no, week. No, but I'm
2: with Jake. That That's not a sub move then. Then you sit, you sit your ass down on the bench and you can't play for oh, the rest oh. of the game. But if it's just tightness and mm. it's not an injury, then you're not, you know, that's just... That's just something that's just unlucky, and you sort of won short. But it is. It's almost like, well, if you want to bring in a fresh player into this game, mm. you need to sacrifice a player next week.
1: Maybe at Footy Tips on Twitter, let us know your thoughts. Uh, Jake, last one. Charlie Kernos locked up the Coleman medal.
0: Well, I thought he had, to be honest. I think he's five ahead now. Ahead um, of Jez, yeah. Ahead of Jerry, Jeremy Cameron. Jerry Cameron. Jerry Cameron, yeah. Jeremy Cameron is five behind. Um But we just had a quick look before at round 23 because it does generally come down around 23. And who do the Cats play? They play West Coast at GMHBA Stadium. And I'm telling you now, the the actual fixture isn't out yet in terms of who's playing when. But if Geelong is playing... Take all gambling advice with a grain of salt and gamble responsibly. (laughs) But if Geelong is playing after Carlton... I would be putting money on Jeremy Cameron to win the Coleman Medal because if he's within eight, I was going
2: to say, what number does he need to be within? If he's
0: within eight, within eight, I will be. I would put it this way: if if he needs eight to win it, I'd rather be on Cameron needing eight than be sitting on Kerno eight in front, <laughs> having already played.
1: The, the difference is, Carlton are fighting for a spot either in the yeah. four or for a home final in Geelong the first week. Could
0: have top spot locked up. Correct. Um, they're playing the worst. The, the, one of the two worst teams in the league at home and if you remember when Jeremy Cameron won the Coleman medal a few years back for the Giants I think it was the same situation I can't remember who was in front it might have been Rewalt or someone was in front yeah. by about 8 or Ben Brown or someone I reckon it was, it was, it was Ben it was, Brown, was years, ben wasn't Brown. Wasn't he? yeah, yeah. Was, geez, he was, was in front by about 8 or 7 and Cameron I think kicked 9 in Against that game And Gold Coast yeah. and, it, kicked, and it, it feels a similar sort of thing just they just kept feeding him the ball and I would not be surprised if the same thing happened so it'll be very interesting to see and who knows they might schedule both games Saturday night you head know. to head they might they might do them both on Saturday night you, you
1: might see an NRL style checking the phone at half time from yeah. from Jez.
0: yeah uh. i wonder if they'd tell him look again if, we're if not we're not encouraging same, people if to if they're on at the same time then I'd take Kerno and if Carlton plays after I'd obviously take Kerno but if if Carlton's already played and Cameron needs seven or eight, I would be I would be reasonably confident he'd get it against West Coast.
1: Again, take any advice with a grain of salt. Jake <laughs> likes to go to Vegas and play uh, poker, so you can see how that turns out sometimes. <laughs> uh, footy tips on Twitter. Questions, comments, feedback, do let us know. Uh, also, rate us on iTunes if you want. Let everyone know how much you enjoy the pod. Uh, we enjoy making it, so we hope you enjoy listening to it. Christian, thanks for joining us again this week. Jake, good to speak with you, and hopefully you're up and about, uh, continue to get up and about uh, as you recover from COVID. To Everyone at Thank home, you. we'll speak to you in the next episode.
0: Listen to all the latest episodes by subscribing to the ESPN Footy Pod, wherever you get your podcasts.